0: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, young people. That was a blessing. It's a joy to be here uh, tonight. Thank you, Pastor Che, for the invitation to be at your winter revival. Although I must say that I think you're kind of generous with the word winter. Uh, we left this morning it was 25 degrees, I believe, and uh, snowed off and on yesterday, just a little bit here and there and here and there, just enough to make it a little slick. And But anyway, it is a joy to come down here. And I, I, if you don't, now, by tomorrow night, I'm leaving Wednesday, my wife and I, so if you don't pick up these pens, I'm going to take everything that's left back there and take it home so I can remind the folks, this is what we call sun. <laughs> okay? So we haven't seen this for days, and I'm not kidding when I say that. We, had a, we have a missionary family out of our church in Bahamas. Jason and Heather Lowe, and they came in for a few weeks. They've been in the States for about three weeks. went back to Christmas, so about about a month now. And he preached for us last night. They spent some time at home there with us and he preached last night and he said, he he said, what have y'all done with the sun? So I'm telling him I found it in Corpus Christi. And I put a little piece of it on my lapel. bringing it home. So it remind you, this is what the sun looks like. And with all due respect to Pastor, uh, but I got Brother Hack back here. So I got him do, I got, uh, we are from Burbonus, Illinois. Amen, <laughs> hey Brother Darren, Burbonus, <laughs> Illinois. But uh, anyway, it's great to be here. And I remember being here some years ago for a uh, teen conference, I believe it was. And it's a joy to come back. I know you've had a pastor change Things get worse before they get better, folks, okay? But I'm, no, I'm just teasing now. <laughs> but uh, I just am thrilled to see the church doing so well. I mean that. I'm not just saying that, I mean that. Uh, I remember Brother Che, uh, his older brother Abe, uh, being in school, and he's just doing a great job with his father in law not, there, not too far from us, really. And uh, you know, the fundamental Baptist world, Brother Agni, is kind of a small world. And uh, Brother Harrison, Worked for me for two years, and that's his his brother's father-in-law, and so we're all intermarried somehow. Hey, Amen. All related to each other somehow, and um, but I remember I remember him and Miss Tracy when when I when I saw them becoming ca- kind of a couple there. What year did y'all start dating? I mean, what year in school were you? Were you juniors, a freshman? You didn't waste any time, huh? No, Amen. <laughs> hey, all right, but honestly, uh, I thought to myself that. That, I remember this. That, that's, that's a sharp couple. That, they're a couple that's going to do something for the Lord. And I'm not surprised to see the Lord using them. And uh, just your patience with a new pastor when Brother Atwood moved on to California and then Brother Che calling him, and, and uh, God's blessed you. And it's thrilling, just a thrill to see you here tonight on an off night, if you want to call it that, an off night in church. And your faithful attendance, he's, exa- he's exactly right. Your faithful attendance uh, to something like this really makes a preacher's heart thrive. And so thank you for, for not just honoring the Lord, but being an encouragement to your pastor. Amen. I mean, that's wonderful. I'm excited to have my wife with me. We had six children. Uh, they're all grown out of college married now. And so she's traveling with me. And I remember when the sixth one was about to get married, I said, babe, you could start traveling with me now. And she said, I don't want to gallivant with you all over the country. And <laughs> I said, what? I said, she said, really? She said, why would I want to go and stay in a motel and listen to you preach the same sermons night after night after, <laughs> night, after night? And uh, that's mean. That's cruel. And Brother Ogden. I'm telling you. But, you know, so she did stay home. But then she got, she got a little lonesome. And uh, so we, she started traveling with me now and I'm glad that she has because we've been together 41 years and a lot of those years she was staying home taking care of the youngins and uh, so I'm thrilled to have Joyce with us tonight and it is a real blessing to be with our good friend Brother Ogde, appreciate him and his wife and Praying for Mrs. Ogden. I just learned about the diagnosis and uh, we sure hope all goes well with her. She is a wonderful lady. Most of you probably know her and uh, we appreciate this man and his ministry. His son's living for the Lord and involved in ministry. You can't ask for anything more wonderful than that, and a better testimony or a preacher and his wife, to see their children walking in truth. Amen. That's great. So it's a joy to be with him tonight. He's been at our place and preached, and we've enjoyed his ministry. And so thank you for the privilege of preaching with this good brother tonight. Daniel chapter 10 in your Bible. Daniel chapter 10. And, uh, you know, my wife not enjoying traveling. I heard a story years ago. It was kind of the opposite where the, the wife liked to travel and the husband didn't. And she decided she wanted to go over to Europe, and spend four different days in four, four cities. And uh, she asked her husband, "I'd like to go over to Europe, and I'd like to spend a day in London, a day in Paris, a day in Rome, and a day in Geneva. Would you? Would you? Can we do this? And would you like to go?" And he said, ah, "I've never lost anything over there." So he said, uh, "Why don't you just go ahead?" She said, "Would you care if I go by myself?" And he said, "No." So she planned it. And the day came, she flew across the Atlantic Ocean, she landed in London, spent the day there, went to the motel for the evening, called home, was telling her husband nonstop about all that they and she had enjoyed, and uh, she said, I have two questions for you before I hang up. Uh, number one, how's my cat? And he said, oh, your cat, your cat's dead. And uh, she, oh man, she loved that cat. So it hit her like a ton of bricks and she got emotional and she cried a little bit. She said, oh, I can't believe, I just can't believe this. And then she kind of got perturbed and said, you know, you could have used a little compassion and, and gentleness and, and, and love in telling me that my cat died and just blurting it out, the cat's dead. He said, well, how, how do I do that? And uh, she said, well... You could break it to me a little at a time. Like when I said tonight, how's my cat? You could have said, well, honey, uh, the cat's on the roof. And then when I call you from Paris tomorrow night, you say, how's my cat? Uh, Well, the cat fell off the roof. And then when I call you from Rome on the third night, how's the cat? You say, well, we called 911. And then when I call you from Geneva on the final night, say, how's the cat? You say, well, honey... The paramedics did everything they could, but your cat expired. And, um, and he said, oh, and she said, that's benevolent, and that's compassionate, and that's thoughtful. You just don't blurt out something like that. Don't ever do that, oh, I won't, don't, don't ever do that to me. I won't don't do it, won't do it. All right, next question, my next question is, how's mom? He said, oh, he said, mom's on the roof. And so, <laughs> so you, you, you take it from there. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but anyway, Brother Che, I meant to ask you, what do you and your church do for scripture reading? Do you stand or remain seated? You stand. Let's stand together. Daniel chapter 10. Look with me at verse number 18. Now, we're going to take a look at the chapter tonight. Don't worry, not verse by verse, but kind of the entire, not every verse, but most of the chapter. And so I realize that we're breaking in about, you know, two-thirds of the way through the story here But for sake of time, I didn't want to read the entire chapter. Look at verse 18. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And I want to take those words for my title tonight, be strong, yea, be strong. And let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be at a local church. Thank you for this local church. Thank you for the institution that you blessed us with in the local church. And I thank you, Lord, for this pastor and the people. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to you, their love for you, which is evidenced, Lord, by their attendance here tonight. And Lord, for Brother Ogden and his ministry, there's a lot that my heart is happy about tonight for how you're using Pastor Che and his dear wife God, please, we don't want to spend this time in vain. The old songwriter wrote, to all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So would you please visit with us tonight, Holy Spirit? Would you please move amongst our midst, and would you help us tonight? Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your Word, and I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, and amen. Thank you, and be seated. We all had high hopes that when the calendar turned from 2020, To 2021, things would be less hectic and crazy. Maybe up in our neck of the woods, it was a bad omen when on New Year's Day, we had an ice storm. And the ice just came and came and came. And we sat in the house and heard, pow! Pow, pow, pow. I live on a couple of acres, brother, hack outside of town, on toward the, out toward the state park there, you know, on 102. And we got a bunch of white pines, and I mean tree limbs, we're busting off tree limbs that big and falling and hitting other tree limbs. I, My wife and I, a couple of Fridays ago, we hauled about three trailer loads of of wood, sticks, and limbs back to the back of the property, and we probably got 20 more to haul away, so maybe that was a bad old man that happened on New Year's Day, and then uh, January 6th happened, that Wednesday that all of us are so familiar with here just a couple of weeks ago, and here we are tonight with more stuff going on in our nation than we can shake a stick at. And God knows my heart. I I don't want to be, I've tried not to be a single issued preacher in these days of turmoil. I have told my church I'm striving for a balance with the messages that I preach. I want the messages to encourage God's people. I want them to motivate God's people because God's not dead. And his work continues. And I want the messages to, in some cases, help prepare our people for whatever may lie ahead. You know, I just want to say a word or two about that, uh, that day, January the 6th. I know your pastors probably talked about it. You probably have talked amongst yourselves about it. But you absolutely cannot believe, unfortunately, you absolutely cannot believe anything that the mainstream media puts out there. You just can't. You know, I talked to reputable people. I'm sure some of you did. I talked to people who attended the president's speech. They were on the grounds where he spoke. It was shoulder to shoulder. It was was body to body. You could not move. If you wanted to move some direction, you could not move unless people around you moved. It was a peaceful, orderly rally. The crowd at at the speech consisted of working Tax-paying citizens, soccer moms, attorneys, men who own their own businesses, uh, families with six, eight, nine, ten children. They weren't there to protest. They weren't there to cause trouble. They were there to support the president and to to voice their opinion about uh, what they think happened during the election. I know that much from people who were on the grounds and were eyewitnesses and beyond that like you, I've I've received a lot of information. Uh, Some of it, you know, is probably extreme left. Some of it's probably extreme right. You don't know what to believe. You don't know who to believe. You don't know who to trust on a human plane anymore, it seems. seems. And uh, suffice it to say uh, that I think there's still some anxiety about what could take place between now and Wednesday when we have the inauguration and all that goes on. And there are people who are Who are, I do think it was interesting that they moved at breakneck speed to impeach impeach the president. And uh, it's just, it's unreal what all's unfolded these last several weeks. And uh, they want him out. They want him gone. I I think they're afraid of something that he might do. Maybe afraid of a few. And I think some of God's people are are, are afraid. I really do. I think some of God's people are afraid not just about... Uh, between now and Wednesday, but what about the next month? What about the next six months? What about the next four years? I think many of us thought that the conservatives would hold the Senate, but that did not happen. Georgia's my home state, and I gotta tell you, I'm shocked. It's what's happened in the state of Georgia in the last 30, 40 years since I've been over 40 years now since I've been gone from there. Now, it's gonna be interesting to see how much of the progressive agenda, socialist agenda, gets passed through Congress. It's it's something to be concerned about. But I want to say this tonight before I get into the message. I will say that there have been times previously when we thought all hope for a free America was gone. At times during the Clinton years, when everybody even close to possibly spilling the beans on the Clintons ended up dying. (laughs) If you remember that or not. And then, all times during the Obama years, uh, especially when he was leading the charge for anarchy by being critical of the police, he started all that. And apologizing for America and bowing to the Saudi king. And giving away pallets of cash to Iran and lighting the White House in rainbow colors and celebration of, 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 of homosexual marriages. And, and the worst of all, in my opinion, snubbing and hating the chosen people of God. He treated Benjamin Netanyahu like a red-headed stepchild. Left him sit for hours without saying where he was going. You don't treat any head of state that way. Much less... Uh, the nation of Israel. He despised them. And our country somehow, by God's grace, survived all of that and shockingly elected a president in 2016. Not a perfect man. He says he's saved. He needs to attend somebody's discipleship class if he's saved. That would probably help him a little bit, you know. Uh, I've got a good one. He could come over to our place and I could help him for 16-week discipleship program. Might help him a little bit. But uh, you know, I think we elected a president who, I, although we didn't agree with everything he did and everything he said, for sure, uh, he did a lot to right the ship. When it comes to bring, being an American and having American interests first, and I got to say, amen to all of that. And you know, but there's just something different today. Even though we survived all these previous administrations that were godless, there's something there's something different about what's happening today. Uh, things have happened that cause God's people to pause and consider and ask the question: what is going on? What's going on? And that's exactly what Daniel was asking in this chapter. In verse number 1, the Bible tells us in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. So in the third year of Cyrus's reign, a truth was revealed to Daniel. That truth covered a long period of time, and this chapter details what took place as that truth was revealed to him. In verses 2 and 3, look at it with me, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning Three full weeks, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel's in a state of mourning, and a state of and a state of confusion. And his concerns were so great that he wasn't eating, he wasn't drinking, he wasn't going through all the washings and cleansings that the the, the children of God would go through normally. He loved Israel and more so, he loved Israel's God. We know that he knelt three times a day in his chamber with the window being open to Jerusalem and prayed. You say, what did he pray? Well, I'm sure as a young Jewish boy back in Jerusalem, he would have studied the Psalms and he would have learned what David wrote in Psalm 122.6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that. Love thee. And church, I want to tell you that's still, very, that's still a very good thing for any Christian to do. You and I should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the truth of the matter is, we don't need to put our eyes, if we're going to put our eyes anywhere on the earth, we don't need to put our eyes on Washington, D.C., on Moscow, Russia, or Beijing, China. We need to put our eyes on Jerusalem, Israel. And that's where it's going to be happening, all right? You and I should pray for the peace. We should love the nation of Israel, and we should love our country as well and pray for its peaceful existence as well. You know, it moves many of us deep in our guts to see freedom of speech yes. and freedom of travel and freedom of, bus- freedom of business and freedom of worship yes. and the right to defend ourselves. Folks, being more than just threatened, it's being more than just threatened now. It's being taken away to some degree. Yes, and, you, and the parallels between what happened in Nazi Germany during Hitler's rise to power and what is happening here is alarming for sure. And it affects us like it affected Daniel back then concerning the nation of Israel. And, and so he's mourning. And here's another reason why Daniel, you see, you got to remember this is the third year of King Cyrus. Now, if, if, if you know your Bible a little bit, you can go with me here. Daniel had been reading the book of Jeremiah previous to this. And he learned about the 70 years that God planned for their captivity. It was, he had seen that come to an end. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, he gave the decree. For the Israelites, the Jewish people, to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. Rebuild their city. And that took place. You remember, under Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the others, Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the wall. And so he had seen, he was probably excited about the fact, whoa, these 70 years of captivity have ended? And now here's a decree to send the Jewish people back to Israel to rebuild their, our, our city and our temple. What an exciting thing. But you know what the problem? What the problem is, not everybody went back. And the truth matters is only a handful went back. And when they got back, they had trouble. They had a hard time getting going. They had a hard time building any kind of momentum. They got the temple started. They got the altar built. They got the temple started. Here came adversaries, and and soon the temple was stopped. And here's Daniel back in Babylon, and he's w- wanting to hear from Israel that the temple was being rebuilt, and it maybe it discouraged him a little bit that only a handful. You say, well, why didn't Daniel go back? Well, by all counts and purposes, he's probably ninety years of age. It's a it's five hundred mile journey, five hundred mile plus. It's a, such an arduous journey. When Ezra got ready to lead another group of Israelites back, he stopped and had special fasting and prayer for a safe trip because it was dangerous. So here's Daniel. He's in Babylon, he's waiting for the nation of Israel to get back on track. He's excited about it, and God, uh, the captivity ended, and I knew that from Jeremiah's writing, and Cyrus gave the decree to go back and rebuild. And here we are now, two years removed from that decree, and, and it's still not happening. What is going on in my country? What's happening in my nation? And he begins to ponder, and all this is going through his mind and through his heart. And the Bible said he said his own thing. I was mourning three full weeks, kind of like many of us who enjoyed seeing America become more like the nation of the past these last four years. There's something refreshing about that. I would never, I would hope I would never look down. My my son and daughter-in-law are over in Madagascar trying to reach the Malagasy people for Jesus Christ. I've been there. They are a precious people. Our son-in-law and daughter are going to Panama. Thank you for having them here. And we look forward to the day when we'll get to go to Panama to visit them and see the Panamanian people. God's world does not center around the United States of America. And I would never look down my nose at any other nationality or ethnicity with a pride that says we are better than you because we're Americans. But folks, I'm an American. And it thrills me to see America doing well. And I was encouraged by the results of the last four years. And I think a lot of us thought it would get better over the next... For. We never really dreamed our president would lose the election, and possibly he didn't. Millions of people don't believe he lost. And certainly, we didn't think that there would be a weak Supreme Court after all those new justices had been appointed. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not disillusioned, but man, I, sometimes I've been a little bit confused. And I've been a little bit disappointed, and I've been a little bit disheartened, maybe all of the above. And you know, Daniel was. And it all centered around his nation. And what was happening with the nation of Israel, and why it wasn't getting moving like he thought it should. So he's in this state of mourning. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He's not anointing himself. And we won't read every verse. But you look at verses four through nine. Something wonderful happens. Look at verse five. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Uphaz, His body was like like, also was like the barrel. His face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. And his arms and his feet in color to polished brass. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Say, brother angel. Who did Daniel see? This is my opinion. And I believe with all my heart he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. When you compare the description here in Daniel chapter 10 to the description that John saw in, John in Revelation chapter 1, it's almost identical. And that shouldn't surprise us because Jesus never changes, Amen. Amen. And I just want to say here, what a blessing, folks, that in the midst of confusion and disillusionment and disappointment, you can still get a glimpse of the living Christ if you want to. And this really, and Daniel did. And he saw the living Christ. He won't go into everything that Jesus said to him, but I want you to see what the result was. Look at verse number uh, nine. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. So he's, he's almost in a, like a comatose state. He's in this horrible deep sleep. His face on the ground. You say, well, why would that happen after hearing the words of Jesus? Well, sometimes the words of the Bible, sometimes the words of God are are tough words. They're difficult words. I enjoyed that young people's song. Talked about they were glad they got lost so that they could be found. It takes tough words to get us lost from the word of God. And sometimes the words of God, sometimes truth hurts. We need it. And Daniel's left basically in a comatose state. And then in verse number 10, look at it. And behold, an angel, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And Daniel gets a visit from an angel. And an angel delivers, this angel delivers a message from God's throne to Daniel. I'll show you three things about it. I want you to understand that first of all, the angel said, Daniel, you are greatly Beloved. Greatly beloved. Look at verse number 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. In the midst of all the disappointment, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the disheartening things happening around Daniel, nothing but nothing But nothing could change the deep love of God for this man. Nothing could touch it. Nothing can put a dent in the love of God for his child. And church, if I could just encourage us tonight with this in all the disappointment and all the confusion that's going on around us. Every one of us who is a child of God is greatly beloved tonight. And there is nothing that can touch or change or diminish the great love that God has bestowed on us through the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Romans chapter eight. I know you do as well. Paul asked those questions, "Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril or sword? Nay? No. In all these things, we are conquerors, more. And conquerors, not through us, Amen. through Him that loved us. When I think of that phrase, more than conquerors, I played basketball in high school, and um, now look, I, I'm just going to say it like it. I went back. I went to school in the days of busing, and uh, so they would bus inner city Atlanta kids out to our school, and it was a disaster. And uh, there were fights all the time. Say what you. I just, I'm just telling you that what it was like. Okay. And uh, But the, our basketball, our region, our sports region, uh, we played inner city schools. And the inner city schools, you know, were made up of black kids. And not bad kids, black kids. And we had a mixture, and we had a lot of white guys, and white men can't jump. We all know that. <laughs> and we played College Park High School. And they were an all-black school, all-black basketball team. And, and they beat us. 100, on our home court, 100 to 44. And the thing about it is, it was 98 to 44. And they stole the ball, and rather than just being content with a 98 to 44 lead, this big guy's driving toward the hoop, and I'm going to try to defend him. It's absolutely impossibility. And he soars over me, and he dunks, and the ball comes through the hoop as the horn sounds and bounces off of my head. Boing. And then the horn sounds and we lose 100 to 44. They didn't just conquer us. <laughs> they more than conquered us. <laughs> they left us bleeding on the on the on the basketball floor. Now folks, we're not we're not are you listening tonight? We're not able to just barely eke out the victory. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to you with me, church? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved. Realize how much God loves you. And that love will never be tainted. It'll never be lessened. It'll never be changed. Beloved is a term used about God's people. We are the beloved of God. And they don't make a liberal or a socialist or a communist government that can pass any law that changes the love of God. for His. They may take away our freedom nationally, but they cannot take away the deep love God has for Amen. His own. Can I, can I say tonight, based on the authority of God's Word, you're beloved. You're beloved. If you're a saved, born again child of God, you aren't just beloved. You're greatly beloved. That was the first message. The second part of the message was Daniel, don't fear. Look at verse number 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, don't fear. So, after telling him he was greatly beloved, the angel told Daniel not to fear. And church, that makes all the sense in the world when we understand and embrace the truth that we are. Listen, understand and embrace it. That we are the beloved of God. That should help conquer any fear we have of what man may do to us. One John four eighteen. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love. Full, complete, mature, agape, a love feast, a love buffet. That kind of love. Well, who can love that way? (sighs) Only God can love that way. Perfect love casteth out fear. Listen, because fear hath torment. And that's where some of God's people are living right now. People, we need to believe the truth about how perfect. So I just don't feel like, when did feelings have anything to do with our faith? We need to believe the truth about how perfect and complete God's love is for us. And allow that full and complete love to drive out any fear in us. Fear torments And God does not want us to live in torment. He wants us to live, like we sang tonight, in the depths of that wonderful peace. He wants us to live in the calmness of his perfect and complete love. And so, look, you will live in the torments of anxiety and alarm if all you do is keep your mind on the things of this world. You have to place your thoughts on the love of God for you. And parents, listen to me. All the parents of young children and teenagers still at home, you have to place your thoughts on the love of God for you and yours. Because here's what I'm getting. Pastor, it's not me I'm worried about, but Can I say to you tonight, parents, as much as you love those precious bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, your wonderful love for them can't touch the hem of the garment. When it comes to God's love for your children, He loves them. Look at those children through the eyes of faith in God's perfect love. And let that perfect love drive out the torment of anxiety and fear and bring a calmness and a peace that only His deep love can bring. And in this love, brethren, sister, nothing can touch us that God does not allow to touch us. And whatever He allows to touch us or our children in some way is good for us. It may sting for the moment. Remember what Paul said. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Remember, friends, that this is all momentary. This is all momentary. This is just a drop in the comprehensive bucket of the ocean. When it comes to time, please, please, in these days that are very uncertain and confusion, confusing, in these days, reach out by faith and embrace the truth that you are greatly beloved. And believe it and embrace it and let that truth drive out the fear. Do not live in the torment of fear in your home. Don't do that. Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Daniel, you're greatly beloved. So guess what? Fear not. There's a third thing that the angel told him. Daniel was to understand there's more than meets the eye going on here. Look at verse number 12 again, okay? The angel speaks, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. Words of what? Words of prayer. And I am come for thy words. So the angel told Daniel, he said, Look, when you first made your prayer. On the very first day, your words were heard. And I am come for thy words. On the very first day, the answer to your prayer was sent. Look at the next verse. Verse 13. But... The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. What are you saying? I'm saying this is an Old Testament example of what Paul taught us. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places people there is more than meets the natural eye going on in our country right now and even around the world and we need to remember that i don't personally don't think it's helpful for you to go out and do a, a in detailed de- in depth study on the devil I don't think it hurts to learn some things about it, about him. I'm not sure how much it helps us to do it. But people, look, we need to understand there is no doubt but that Biden and Harris and Pelosi and Schumer and Zuckerberg and Bezos, there's no doubt they're our enemies. You know, oh, well, well we, we shouldn't talk. Christians shouldn't talk about enemies. Don't tell that to David. <laughs> he talked about it all the time in the Psalms. Over and over and over again. They hate hate what we love and love what we hate. And they want to take what we love away from us. It, it, It aggravates me like I know it aggravates you. But the real war involves more than what is going on between flesh and blood. The real war is being waged in the heavens between truth and error. Daniel's prayer was heard in heaven the first day, and the answer sent the first day, but 21 days that prayer was held up in spiritual warfare. The answer was detained and could not get to Daniel. Now, people... If an answered prayer on its way to Daniel could be held up for that long, how long can spiritual victories, answers to prayer, etc., be held up by spiritual warfare today? You say, well, I just prayed. It just doesn't seem like any answer is coming. It might have been sent. It might just be being held up in spiritual warfare. Oh, Brother Angel, you don't believe that's still going on today, do you? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I think it was going on in the days when Jesus was walking on the earth. Spiritual warfare, we're not evolutionists. We don't believe that everything's getting better. We believe everything's getting worse. Absolutely, I believe it. Sometimes God's people are disillusioned and maybe a little bit disheartened because and I prayed, I didn't get an answer and spiritual victories just don't seem to be on the way. I just don't know if if God's even hearing me. It very well could be that God sent the answer some days ago. God gave the victory some days ago. It just hadn't got here yet. Because there's more than meets the eye. As to what's going on here. So, Daniel, you're greatly beloved. Don't fear. Don't live in torment. There's more than meets the eye going on here. That's really his message. Now, look at the results of it. Look at verse 18 or verse 15. Look at verse 15. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like even after the angel's message, Daniel was left in the same condition. <laughs> that the angel found him. He said, I'm helpless. I, I heard your words, but they really didn't encourage me. They just kind of, <sighs> and I'm strengthless. I, I, I don't have any strength. So, understanding, you know, he, he hears, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. I'm greatly beloved, not supposed to fear, more than meets the, more than meets the eye going on here, but. I just don't have any, I, I don't ha- you know, pastor, I come to church and man, I, Sunday school, I hear the messages and I enjoy the messages and I get the truth, but to be honest with you, I go back home Monday too, I'm still just kind of, I'm still just kind of, I, I, then you come to 18. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me and said, oh, man, greatly beloved, fear not. Excuse me. Isn't that what he was just told? (laughs) Isn't that what the angel just told him? Hey, you're greatly beloved. Don't fear. More than meets an eye going on here. Peace. Just be peace. More than meets an eye going on here. It's the exact same thing you just heard. You know what, folks? Truth is truth. And sometimes you just can't add any more truth to truth. Just like some of God's people today come to church and hear a message to help them through these trying times. And they come and they hear and they leave thinking. I hear the same things all the time. God loves me, fear not, read my Bible, pray, trust the God of heaven. It's the same thing over and over again, and I'm still at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. Well, in verse 19, the angel added something. He said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, Be strong. You're beloved of God. Don't fear. There's more than meets the eye going on here. Enjoy some peace. And here's a little extra for you, Daniel. If you want a little something extra, be strong. Yes, be strong. Get up off the ground. Stand up on your feet. Set your belt up a notch or two. And be strong. Be strong. And church, I believe this is the message that you and I need to hear tonight. Pastor, Brother Angel, I just I hear the same things over and over again. And I just can't seem to, to get going. Be strong. It's time to be strong. Say, well, I don't know that I can be strong. Why would, why would God put this in his book? And this is not the only time that the terms, the words, be strong are used. Over and over and over and over, God told his people, be strong. Parents, those little ones, those young people, maybe they don't get it all right now they do not need a fearful cowering uh, depressed melancholic dad and mom around the house they need a man a dad and a woman and a mother who who have have faith in god and understand they're dearly and greatly beloved and let that love drive their fear out and who stand up on their feet and obey the command to be strong be strong. This is not the day to let your Bible sit on the coffee table from Sunday to Sunday. This is the day to be strong in the Word of God. This is the day to be strong in prayer. This is the day to be strong when you open your Bible in Sunday school class in church. Speak to me, O oh God. And then take those truths home and live them. And I'll tell you what, I think preachers are running out of things to say to God's people just to get them through this time. Maybe we just need to say to you, hey, folks. Be strong. Be strong. It's like Joab. When he got with his brother. And who was it? Skips of mind. Ammonites on one side. Syrians on the other. He said, you take a bunch of guys and go that way. I'll take a bunch of guys and go this way. And if you start getting whooped, call me and I'll come. If I start getting whooped, I'll call you. You come. But he said, let us be strong. And play the men. For our people. Let's cinch our belts up. Let's stand on our feet. Let's put on the whole armor of God. We're not going to be strong in our own strength. We're supposed to stand in the power, the strength of the Lord through the whole armor of God. Put it on, church, and be strong. Be strong. On the night of January 6th, Wednesday night, I go to the college. We we weren't ready for college to open. Usually on Thursday morning, I drive up to the college to teach. And so I tried to get in bed at decent time on Wednesday night. But that Wednesday night there was no school. So I was up a little later and the phone rang and it was, I have, I have had six children, all of them are married. So it was one of the men. I'm not going to divulge, it was one of the men. There are six men. Five of those six men have children. One of them has four kids. One of them has five. One has two, and two have three. In case you're wondering, it's a very expensive Christmas. That's what that is, okay? <laughs> so, one of those five boys called Dad, and all the son-in-laws call me Dad, so they will, I'm not going to say who. What happened today? Uh, who in here was living the last time the Capitol was breached? Oh, none of us? I don't know who the oldest person in here tonight is. Maybe there's somebody in their 80s here. I don't know. You haven't seen it. So for young married couples with little children... What happened tonight, dad? What happened today? And we talked for a while. What do you think's gonna happen? What do you think's gonna happen with my kids? Brother Ogden, that's legitimate. You and I are at the other end, brother. Ours are gone, grown, married. but there's not. I hung up the phone and I told my wife, I said, I sense in his voice, I sense in his words anxiety, fear, alarm, The next day, we had a day of basketball games, junior high. You probably came down and played in that tournament. Not, not, not last week, but I mean, you know, back, back years ago. Um, and our daughter was there, and she brought a couple of the boys because she had a boy playing from, from Northwest. Kyle was playing, and that's a tough one when your grandson is playing on one team and your team is playing your grandson's team. What do you do? Who do you root for? So, but it wasn't hard for me to root for faith over Northwest, amen, so that was it. She came over to the house with a couple of the boys, the younger boys, and same thing. And I said, Hannah, God makes no mistakes. You are living in the exact time day that God chose you to live in you can can be strong you can get through this that was on Thursday on Saturday Pastor Dan Woodward on the radio station there in Dwight read this article from a dad who was rocking a sleeping baby late Wednesday night On January 6th, maybe you've seen it. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children. But be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniel's. Raise David's. Raise Esther's. Raise Peter's. God isn't scratching his head, wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army. Raising up, he's raising up to drive back the darkest darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God has placed on them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. And my wife heard him read that. And they had a call in, and she called in, and she said, Brother Woodward, that is exactly what my husband told our daughter on Thursday afternoon. Be strong. Be strong. And I'm all guns, amen, okay? But really, I'm not talking about that kind of strength right now. I'm talking strength that portrays to your children God is not dead he is not gone to sleep he has not left you you are greatly beloved you don't need to fear there's more than going more than meets the eye going on here you grab your bible you grab your your prayer lot your prayer list and you listen in church and you live for God God made you for such a time as this Be strong. Yea, be strong. And then he said, And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. Well, I guess so. (laughs) He told him twice, Get up and be strong. In the power of the Lord and his might. Be strong church, be strong, you need to walk around and we, our children are never going to experience the American dream. Where in the Bible do you find anything about an American dream? <laughs> but that's how some of us are living right now. Grab your Bible, grab your prayer list, grab your God and be strong.